Amen. Thank you guys so much, Pastor Jeff and choir, worship team and band, and Miss Donna. She wasn't just singing, she was singing, man. That was incredible. Please consider joining them. Um, they're growing, obviously. We would love to have you, Pastor Jeff and his team. I uh, feel led to do even more specials and other things, and I love it. When I was a worship guy, I, we were required to do a, uh, I had to do a call to worship and a choir special each week. It was written in some Baptist book somewhere that um, the pastor thought, and I loved it and I enjoyed it and I love being blessed in that way. I, did that bless your heart this morning, her singing that testimony? I thought it was a blessing, huge blessing. And then the choir coming in strong with the orchestra and the band, I think, um, I know I'm partial, but I think we've got one of the greatest worship ministries anywhere and I'm grateful for them. And I thank Jeff and his team for leading and I want you to be a part of it. So take seriously that call to media, that call to worship. Um, God's asking for us to come and worship. We'll talk about it today. Take your Bibles and head back to Hebrews 12. And very quickly, let me kind of give you a, what's coming. Today will be the last time in Hebrews until after Easter. Immediately after Easter, I'll come back and finish the book. It won't take long at all. Chapter 13 is fairly short. And uh, we'll talk about things like entertaining angels unaware. What does that mean? And so we'll come back into some very interesting closing stories in Hebrews. But we've been here quite some time. And I love this theme. I think this theme is so important, an anchor for the soul. As we go into the Easter season... Um, I'm going to be bringing several special messages. In fact, I'm going to do one up here with a big canvas and I'm going to give you a picture message. I'm the worst artist you've ever seen, but if I can do this, you can do this. And it's for me to teach you. And also that particular day, we'll advertise it a lot between now and Palm Sunday. That particular day, I want you to bring any and every possibly lost person you know, or if you're just uncertain, or if you're uncertain of where they are with their public profession, I promise you that day, they're gonna get a powerful picture in front of them and we'll give them an opportunity to respond. Then on Good Friday, we have a big church-wide serve day. You'll begin hearing more about that. Easter Sunday weekend, I'm gonna do something I've never done here. Um, something I actually wrote about, I think 15 years ago, and I call it, He's Alive, A Sermon in Songs. I'm gonna do a fully costumed sort of dramatic sermon that day between teaching and music. It'll be in three scenes, um, and so it'll be for all ages. We won't be terribly graphic. We will have some characters, but um, children can come. Um, you, we'll, we'll tell you more when we get closer, but that's gonna be Saturday and Sunday of Easter weekend. And we had an awful lot of worshipers last year. I'm hoping we can fill this place up several times over. But um, that'll be new, that'll be different for us. I would dare say it'll be unlike any Easter sermon you've ever seen or experienced anywhere, unless your pastor happened to preach and sing his sermon in costume. So uh, just so you know, that's on the horizon. I really wanna share that. The Lord has led me to do that this year. I just feel strongly this year that across those weeks leading to Easter and Easter Sunday, I think we're gonna see a, a harvest of souls unlike we've seen. We're seeing people saved and baptized weekly, but I think God's doing something unusual in this season. I'm very excited for extravaganza, Palm Sunday, Easter. So all of that's coming. And then as I said, we'll be back to finish because I think this theme is so critical, an anchor for the soul. Um, let's say our verse together. Last time we'll do this verse, chapter 12, verse three. And then let me give you a quick review and jump into today, okay? Let's say it. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, 
lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Good. Let's do it again. A bunch of blanks. Ready? For consider him who endured such hostility against, from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Yeah, Jesus took all of that hate, all of that punishment, my crown of thorns, my nails, your whip, your lashes, your spear. He took all of that all the way to Calvary, to the empty, to the tomb, to then the empty tomb and now to the very throne room of God. When we started this chapter, I gave you a message called encouragement to endure. And I said, we got to lay aside every weight in sin. Look to Jesus and his finished work. Consider what he faced in his own race. Remember, we've got that cloud of witnesses. They're not spectators. They're not looking down going, yay, keep running, yay, keep running. No, they finished their race. And so rather than them looking down on us, we're looking up to them saying, look what they did. And who is the ultimate example of finishing strong? Jesus himself. So from encouragement to endure, I said, now look, don't despise discipline. Big message. Had a lot of people write me about that message. We got to learn and grow from discipline. It shows us we're God's children. It grows us for God's glory and our good. And remember that that, that is an important concept. Don't hate what God is trying to correct you on. Take it. Put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants. Take it, learn from it, grow from it. And then when you're in the race, run the right way. Run the right way. I wish churches would listen to this in a sense because some, I think, follow more marketing techniques and leadership pipeline. We don't really need more leaders. I heard a quote recently. It said, we don't need more leaders in the church. We need more servants in the church. That was brilliant. We don't need a bigger leadership pipeline. We need people that'll wash feet and get down in the mud with folks and love people where they are. And then I said, while we're running, we run the right way, right? We pursue peace and purity. When we run the right way, we avoid a root of bitterness and don't ever give up so much to get back so little. Don't give away the farm when you're not getting anything back. And then the text that I was kind of dreading all along out of this chapter, which became my favorite text in chapter 12, was last week, the man in the middle. And I said, where's your man? Is he on Mount Sinai like Moses? Are you living life according to law and works? Or is your man in Mount Zion, the heavenly home, is he calling the shots in your life? Do you live by gospel and grace? Who's your man on the middle, in the middle? And remember what the thief on the cross said, the man on the middle cross said I could come. Well, I'm so glad. Did you hear her say, I'm so glad it wasn't based on my works. I'm so glad it wasn't based on what I've done. I've done a lot of rotten things. I'm so glad it was based on the precious spotless blood of the Lamb of God. I'm so glad. Today, hearing from heaven. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I typically do my titles fairly early in my study, but that was not my title originally. I had a little bit more gritty title. Um, and my title for this text originally was Buckle Up, Buttercup. And I didn't know, you know, sometimes the snowflakes melt and they shut down on you when you say such things. But, um, you know, Frank suggested let her rip, tater chip. I don't know. Buckle up, buttercup, let her rip, tater chip. Here is the reality. You got to buckle up because things are getting shaken up. And we're going to talk about that today. And you buckle in with the gospel. 
If you're gonna make it, you buckle in with God, you buckle in with Christ. But I decided to make it hearing from heaven because I do think there's a lot of folks out there that say things like this. If I could just hear God, if it were just clear what God would want from me, well, it is. I promise you, you wanna hear God? You wanna hear from God? Stand with me as we honor the reading of his word. He's about to talk to you. Doesn't matter what I say. Well, what does God say? And then as we break that down and put it in a way that we can really digest it, because really what we're doing is God's putting the meat before us. God puts the meat. It is my job to come along and try to rightly divide it. I'm gonna put it in some bite-sized chunks for you. The preacher's job is not to get cute, cuddly, and creative. Y'all realize that, right? I know some of them think that's their job. The preacher's job is to cut it up in bite-sized chunks so we can digest it together. And I gotta eat it too. I gotta process it too. And God has really spoken to me this week on this hearing from heaven. So I hope you'll listen and let him speak to you. It says, see, pay attention. Behold, you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape, our forefathers, those in the wilderness, and by the way, pray for us. We've got 71 going to Egypt. And so we'll be gone about nine, 10 days. We're not leaving until next week, but we need your prayers. I'm gonna ask you Egypt folks to come and pray also at the conclusion. But we're gonna be walking where these folks walked. We're gonna be seeing some stuff these folks saw. And remember, Moses was from Egypt, but also our holy family, Joseph, Mary, Jesus fled to Egypt for a few years when Herod was trying to kill all the baby boys. So notice this. If they did not escape, who refused him who spoke on earth, God spoke at Mount Sinai. Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he's promised saying, this is from Haggai the prophet, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. And now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. I think a better translation in this context is let us be grateful. Let us demonstrate gratitude by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking. Now we need ears that will hear and process, brains that will meditate on the word, hearts open and receptive, and then hands and feet to go and do it, to live in accordance with this truth. We don't come to gain a lot of head knowledge here today, but it has to go through our head and then it impacts our heart, the seat of our will and emotion and being, and then it trickles out in hands and feet and the way we live our lives. So make us more like Jesus. And as you shake it up, help us to remember that it's for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, be seated. I don't normally do this, but I'm gonna give you another version of this text. Several years ago, after having read the Bible through maybe 20 sometimes, I decided to read the message. The message is not actually a translation. It's more of an interpretation by a man, Eugene Peterson. And he does a pretty good job in that. And sometimes it's helpful to go see these interpretive Bibles like... Peterson's The Message or The Living Translation, which is really a paraphrase, but I wanna read it to you because I think he nails the core of the meaning. So listen to this text again through Peterson's interpretive lens. He says, so don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. 
If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, and they didn't, remember that whole generation died in the wilderness. He said, if those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our back on heavenly warnings? His voice that time at Sinai shook the earth to its foundations, but this time he's told us quite plainly, it will also rock the heavens. And one last shaking from top to bottom, from stem to stern. And the phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you know how thankful we must be? And not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. I love this line. For God is not an indifferent bystander. That is a great line. He is actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to be burned. And he won't quit until it's cleansed because God himself is fire. That's pretty powerful interpretation and paraphrase, if you will. So let me give you some simple truths to hang your hat on and hopefully to live out. First, when our Lord speaks, we must listen and respond. When he speaks, we must listen and respond. Am I the only husband in this room that struggles sometime to listen to my wife? You can hit him, ladies, if you want, it's fine. I wanna see him pop up. Am I the only husband that struggles with that? Any of my guys out there honest? Any of my guys out there saying when the game is on now, I just can't listen to her? Is anybody? I get it. Duvall's got business done. Y'all were involved. My Carolina Tar Heels got business done. Do y'all know those ugly blue devils took a whooping yesterday? It was a good day for college basketball. Sorry, Parker. Here's the thing, though. Don't teach my granddaughter to pull for Duke, Parker. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. God is speaking. We know he is speaking. You said, Pastor, how do we know? Well, let's look at 25 again. See that you don't refuse him who speaks. They didn't escape when they refused. Much more so, we shall not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. So let's unpack it. We got to listen and respond immediately and appropriately. But how does God speak? By show of hands, how many of you remember Henry Blackaby and experiencing God? How many of you know? A lot of you know. Okay, if you don't know, Blackaby was from Canada, a a very beloved pastor. Uh, He served in Canada for many, many years. In fact, we still work with his nephew, Peter. His grandson, I think, was an intern here many years ago. But um, Peter Blackaby um, helps lead our Vancouver partnership that we partner with and work. We have a team going back this year. And Blackaby said some great things in experiencing God. And he said, look, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. But how do, I'm, so that was a pretty good statement by Blackaby, but how does God primarily speak? The Holy Spirit enlightening the written word of God. The Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the triune Godhead, enlightening the word of God. He, yes, he speaks through sermons, but only if those sermons align with the word of God. He speaks through circumstances, if they align with the word of God. He speaks through other Christian people if they align with the word of God. You got a friend that claims to be spiritual and they're giving you counsel, but you know down deep in your heart of hearts that counsel does not align with the word of God, then they're not talking to you of the word of God. They're talking about their opinion and everybody's got an opinion, so that's not gonna help you. And, and if these things align with the written word, then you can trust that God may be speaking in that. But this chapter concludes here with this powerful message about God speaking. 
He spoke to those Israelites in the wilderness. Y'all remember, an 11-day journey turned into a 40-year wandering. 11 days they could have gotten there. But God took them in circles and circles and circles because they listened to their fear and they listened to 10 of the 12 spies. But the majority was wrong. And they didn't listen to God who said, enter in, enter in, enter in, and they didn't do it. And then when they wimped out and God said, okay, then there's gonna be an entire generation of you guys that won't see it. They said, oh, no, 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 no. We'll go take it now, God. We'll get into the promised land. And then of course, God wasn't with them. And so they got their backsides handed to them. And so you've got to listen and respond in an appropriate time, immediately. Don't turn your back on the God who's still speaking. Those who ignore his message through Christ will not escape God's wrath. Listen carefully. If you're not buckled up, then when the time comes, you will proverbially go through the windshield. You will crash and burn. Look back at verse 24, if you got a Bible open. We look to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaks. You see it? It speaks better things than that of Abel. We gotta hear that. Hear when she's singing about the blood up here, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Don't just say it, man. Believe it, trust it. God is calling us from heavenly Jerusalem, just like he called down at Sinai. There is no distinction between the Old Testament God of Sinai and the New Testament God at Jerusalem. God is speaking and he's offering forgiveness and acceptance through the blood of Christ. And if the Israelites didn't escape, who were God's chosen people, we will not escape if we turn our back on him. Great pastor, theologian, worked in Chicago and served Moody for many, many years, Warren Wearsby said this, God is shaking things. This is the theme, but none of us likes to be shaken. True, we enjoy stability and security, but God is shaking the Jewish economy. He is about to allow the temple to be destroyed. This is in the mid 60s being written, mid to late 60s AD. The temple goes down by the Roman hands in 70 AD. And God is saying, I'm about to stir the pot here, y'all. I'm about to shake up your world. You better not Put your stock in those rocks and that gold and all of that stuff in Jerusalem. You better put your stock in Christ. Mysterial things are going away and God was building his new temple. What is the temple of God? I know we've got some folks getting all worked up about the temple in Knoxville that's going up. That they say the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is putting up. Of course, it's not the real Jesus Christ of the Bible, but people are getting worked up about it. And you know what I say? That's not the temple. No more so than this is the temple. What is the temple of the living God in the new covenant? We are the temple. Don't get all wound tight because if we go protesting any non-Christian group that wants to put something up, guess what happens when the next Baptist church wants to go up? Historically, Baptists, we believe in freedom of religion even if that religion is wrong. What we need to do is pray for the salvation of the souls of those who have been lost and blinded in darkness that are speaking of a Jesus who actually doesn't exist. The Jesus of Mormonism is not a real Jesus. He's certainly not the Jesus of the Bible. And if that offends you, read your Bible. What I'm saying is we need to be aware that temple's not the real deal. This building's not the temple. We are the temple of the living God. And so, 
what James would tell us is, look, as the temple of the living God, James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And we love to stop there. But the verse actually says, be doers and not only hearers, deceiving your own selves. If we hear the word of God in here every week, and yet we walk out those doors and don't act in accordance with the word of God, you know what that means? We're deceiving ourselves. You know, when I was, I, some of you have heard this story, between seminary and full-time ministry, I already knew I had a job at the church. I was gonna be the uh, education associate worship pastor at our church where we had been. Um, but I needed a little time in between to get back then. I needed to start seminary at the proper time in the fall to get my languages and all that worked up because I was gonna do Greek and Hebrew. So I taught music and the only job I could get midstream because I'd been teaching high school um, I wanted to try out my degree because I got a bachelor of music degree with education K-12. And I want, so I got a job in an elementary school. I do not know what they were thinking hiring me. Early 20s, uh, I had 38 music classes. I had 890 different students. Were it not for the previous teacher's seating charts as she retired, I would have died, y'all. Just picture the room. You're in a big music room. The kindergarten teacher drops off. At that time, each class there was running about 28. Drops off about 28 kindergartners and bodily fluids are leaking from everywhere. And they just smile big and look at me, the new guy, and say, good luck. And then they leave for 45 minutes at a time. And then that repeated all day, every day. So Cindy's going question to me every time I would come in, because it was way across county, and I'd get in late in the afternoon before supper, and she'd say, how many of them did you make cry today? That was what she said, because I just, me and little kids, you know, I pretty much like my own, but everybody else's, you know, they leak. Things come out of them. It's not pleasant. And so I realized I had to come up with a way to help keep control of this class because it was going to be insane otherwise. So I didn't give a bunch of rules. I gave four words. I'm a simple guy. And so I've really scoured scripture and I said, what does God expect of us? How does he expect us to respond to him? So I came up with four words, look, listen, think, do. Most of us operate the other way. We do something, then we think about it. But look, if I get your eyes, I get you most of the time. Sometimes you're out in space dreaming basketball or Chick-fil-A, but otherwise, if I get your eyes, I've probably got you. Listen, you gotta really process what I'm saying. Then think about it. Let it simmer between the ears and then respond. Do, look, listen, think, do. Worked well for me. The kids memorized it. They did a great job. We did a program with 168 kindergartners one night on stage. We did a program with 144 fourth graders. Have you ever heard 144 recorders? That'll bless your spirit right there. You better be prayed up, bub. And so we did these big things and, and people were like, wow, how'd you get them to actually do that? Well, you know what? We just kept it simple. Keep it simple. I'm a simple guy. Look, listen, you know what God said? God said in Isaiah 42, look to me, all ye ends of the earth and be ye saved. For I am God and there is no other. That was what Charles Haddon Spurgeon heard the night he got saved. Look to me, God said. Of course, the Bible is replete with listen, 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 listen. And then the Bible's replete with meditate on these things, process it, think about it, think about it. And the Bible's also replete with do it, respond. So I summarize this point with the word obedience. You see that under there? Obedience. Make sure you jot that down because it's a simple way to remember this. Obey what God has said to obey. Now, let me ask you a question. Who or what are you looking to? What occupies the majority of your brain power, or your time? Could it be YouTube? That's scary. Could it be TikTok? Even scarier. Could it be Fox News? 
MSNBC, CNN. Could I keep going? Look to the Lord first. Who are you listening to? What are you thinking about? What's preoccupying, uh, preoccupying your thought? You say, well, preacher, uh, uh, all you got to do is think about God all day. Man, that'd be great, but that's not real world. People are in the real world. Problems are in the real world. We got stuff going on all the time, but I do want to listen and reply in a godly way. I do want to let, if people know me and they know how I respond to a given situation, I want them to at least say, well, I may not agree with that pastor, but at least he's thinking and and acting in accordance with what God says. At least as best I can tell, he's responding in a biblical way if they even know that. But When you look, listen, think, or do God's way, you recognize when he speaks, I'm gonna have to respond to that. I gotta hear and respond. Second, when the Lord shakes things up, he's preparing us and purging this world for his kingdom. I wanna go ahead and give you the word for that. I'm gonna call that confidence. I want you to be confident with your faith, not conceited, not cowardly, confident. It talks about that voice in 26 that shook the earth, but now he's promised through Haggai the prophet, he said, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. And this yet once more indicates the removal of those things shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. All that's doing, folks, is summarizing the stability of the new covenant versus the old He's going back into Exodus 19, there's Isaiah 13, 65, 2 Peter, all these are in your cross-references, everything if you want to study it. But Haggai 2.6 says this, God shook the earth back then, but in the eschaton at the end of time, God's going to shake all of the heavens too, because God is in the process of recreating, bringing forth a new heavens and a new earth. Everything physical changes Things are going to be destroyed and remain, and, and only those things which remain are going to be eternal. And so shaking of the earth speaks of judgment, and shaking of the earth says that God is showing us that we have a kingdom that cannot ever be torn down. It gives us incentive to endure. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And when we build on this, the day declares it because it's revealed by fire. We're going to talk about fire at the end. And if anyone's work endures, he receives an award. Don't build your life on temporal things that won't matter. When the shaking comes, be confident in Christ. Now be aware of what's happening in the world, right? But remember, the news shouldn't fill you with fear and with dread. Somebody told me this week how nervous they were about the upcoming election. Listen to me, guys. Please hear my heart. Quit watching so much of those newscasters which are slanted with their opinions. Quit worrying about elephants and donkeys. The throne of God is not at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Christians ought not be worried and upset and all out of sorts and Barney fifing around here because of Republicans and Democrats and Independents and Libertarian and this one's taking the vote from that one and why didn't she just drop out of the primary? Would you please focus on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Nobody's going to vote him in or out of office. 
Jesus reigns today. He will reign November 5th and November 6th and everything thereafter. Be responsible, vote Christian faith, get involved. Obviously, I think believers should be involved in these things, but understand we can be aware of political instability and social pressure and economic hazards and religious apostasy and physical hardship and moral decay. And all of those things are describing things going on around us today. But we have a God who will shake it all away and that which is true will remain. Quit sweating the small stuff, man. Don't get all out of sorts. You say, well, how do you know that? Because I've read the book. I've heard my God speak, Romans 8, 31 and following, in written in the context of suffering. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but he delivered him up for us all. And shall we not now freely give all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who condemns? Well, it is Christ who died and furthermore is risen and even at the right hand of God making intercession for us. Then he asks a series of questions. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What are you worried about, man? When God is shaking it up, you know what? He's getting you ready. He's going to show you he's the king. He's preparing his kingdom. You know, I know what the world says. I'm a pastor that chooses to keep my head up and pay attention. I don't want my head buried in the proverbial sand and I'm so heavenly minded, I'm no earthly good. Now, I don't wanna be so earthly good that I'm of no value in heaven, but I know what the world says. I know the lyric of this generation. Players gonna play, 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 play. Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. I just totally wigged Frank out in the first service. He had no idea what I was saying. But you know what I'm gonna do, baby? I'm just gonna shake, 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 shake. I'm gonna shake it off, shake it off. Heartbreakers gonna break, 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 break. Fakers gonna fake, 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 fake. Some of them think they can do that in the church, but you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna shake it off, shake it off. Any Swifties in the house? Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, now, you can't shake off the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you better shake off the players and the haters, and they are gonna hate, because they hated him first, so they're gonna hate us. But here's what I'm here to tell you. God's really the one doing the shaking. God is really the one that's gonna shake them off. They're faking it, he'll shake them off. <laughs> they hating on the gospel and the truth, and they hating on Christians, God's gonna shake them off. In fact, anything and everything that's not aligned with him will be shaken. Listen to me now. Without folks, Jesus ought to be quaking. This ain't no mistaking. I know your heart may be aching and your back may be breaking, but Jesus ain't forsaking and he's always making, that's enough, all things new. Jesus is making all things new. What about you? 
When Donna sang those lyrics in that first service this morning, I thought exactly what Jeff said. She is singing my story. She is singing my story. That I have things I should not have done. I have regrets and yet Jesus paid the price in his blood and thank you for not holding me accountable for what I can do, but what he has done. Thank you, God, that you can take all of that stuff And yes, the haters are going to hate and the fakers are going to fake, but we don't have time for that mess and the foolishness of God. Trust that God's going to shake it off and we're going to be all right. If you don't understand that, ask somebody just a little younger than you and they'll fill you in on everything I just said. When our Lord speaks, we must listen and respond. When our Lord shakes things up, he's preparing us and he's purging this world for his kingdom. Therefore, because of this, we should offer our Lord authentic gratitude, acceptable service, and awe-inspired worship. Okay? Authentic gratitude, acceptable service, awe-inspired worship. Let me think of the word here I want to give you, and I think the word is simple. It's reverence. We use it a lot. I don't know that we always understand it. It's remember who God is and that you're not him. Remember who God is and that you're not him. Confidence doesn't lead to arrogance. Confidence in the gospel leads to reverence. And believers are often in danger of taking these things for granted or trivializing them. But 28, 29 says, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken, let us have grace or let us act with grateful hearts by which we may serve God acceptably. Y'all know there's a wrong way to serve God, right? There is a wrong way to serve God or he wouldn't have used the word acceptably. The wrong way is to do it to be seen or for the applause of men. If you serve God to be seen and for their applause, you have no reward in heaven. You've received your reward. So don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Just serve God to serve God. I'm not saying that people may not notice. Surely they probably will. But don't do it for that. Do it for his smile and his glory, not their applause. So do it with acceptable service and then awe-inspired worship. Serve him with reverence and godly fear. We should have a spirit of authentic gratitude. Y'all know when somebody thanks you but doesn't mean it. Y'all know that. Oh, thanks, yeah. Okay, well, thanks for that. And they just check the box. You want authentic gratitude? Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. When you guys write me and you give me a, just a that a boy or thanks for that word or that particularly spoke to me, I was the one that needed that. Man, do you know what that does to a pastor's heart? Versus pastor, the church is falling apart. I can't believe you would allow them to put the toilet paper on upside down. Can you, I mean, those are not great emails. I won't come to your home and tell you how to put your toilet paper on. But the reality is when you are demonstrating kindness and following Christ, that's, there's gratitude that follows that, and it's a gift from God. And listen, if you don't remember all you have to be thankful for, let me give you four omnis of God. There are more. I'll just give you four. Our God, think on this. Our God is omniscient. There is nothing you're facing right now that God is not aware of because omniscience, all-knowing. God is all-knowing. Not only is he all-knowing, he's all-powerful. Our God is omnipotent. I know you've heard this, but reflect on it. Not only does God know where you are, he has the power to walk with you, to get you through. He is because he is also omnipresent. You will never go so far that God's arm can't bring you back. You will never be so desperate and down. And I know some of you felt that way, but you can never get so far 
that God is finished with you. And then he's omnibenevolent. That means he's all kind, all good. When he does it, it is for his glory and your good. He is an omnibenevolent, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient God. That is enough to be thankful for. When you serve the Father as he chooses to be served and wants to be served, he wants to lavish his love and blessing upon you. Uh, this, This Monday, I knew we were gonna have to mow at some point this week, which we did later in the week, but Monday there was a lot of sticks in our side yard where some trees and stuff had dropped over the winter. And um, I knew Bobby's been very busy. He's preparing for his final GCA musical. I hope you'll come. Frank will tell you about it at the end. Hello, Dolly, this weekend, Thursday, Friday. And we got family and friends coming in town. And so he's very, very busy. He's long days, 12, 13 hour days. He's working also on the side, um, doing some different jobs. And so he comes home, it's fairly late. I said, Cindy, I won't be home yet. I'd had a long Monday. I said, um, ask him to get changed real quick and get out and rake all those sticks up, get them in the woods. And I knew it's not something he wanted to do. I know he was exhausted, but he did it. By the time I got home, he's finishing up. And I asked Cindy when I came home, I said, hey, did he complain at all? When I asked him, was there any grumbling or griping? She said, none. He just came in, changed, ran out, started working. So Cindy and the pastor's wives do a thing every month. They were together in another house. And of course, none of the pastors go over there. We, we give them distance. I'm sure they're grateful. And so I said, I'm gonna take um, Hannah and Bobby who still live at home. Well, let's go eat. I'm gonna take you somewhere. And they said, where are we going? I said, it's a surprise. So I took them somewhere really nice, Dairy Queen. Okay, so uh, we got our meals. We got three little tiny blizzards, cost me $46. I never thought I'd have to take out a small loan to eat at Dairy Queen. It's ridiculous. But it was, it was good. It was a good meal. We got home. And uh, of course, I was happy to buy their supper, but we get home. Bobby had had some Nerf bars, one of you blessed him with. You took it off your Tacoma. Brother Jim, thank you for that. He's got a little older model Tacoma, so he's been wanting to put those on. He had some rusty bolts we had to work on. And so I said, if you want to try to do that, now I'm, I'm at the end of my rope, man. I'm exhausted. It was a very long, hard day with meetings and a lot of writing, and I was, I was tired. But I said, Let's, come on, we'll pull your truck in. Mom's not here. We'll, we'll work on that for a bit. And in fairly short order, we got those new Nerf bars on, those side steps, and he loves it. It looked great on his truck. But you know, the reality is, if a few hours earlier, if he had whined and complained and grumbled, do you realize how less inclined I would have been to have gone and gotten the tools and spent the next little bit on my back and, and working underneath his truck? Do you realize that I, now look, if you, being an earthly and very limited father, full of mistakes, if you know how to give good gifts to your son, how much more will your heavenly father delight in you when you are responding to him in obedience and joy? You can grumble. You can gripe about the things that are put in front of you, or you can just serve and deal with it. And I believe you'll have the smile of the father And I believe if you want to see the hand of God's blessing, then do what you do with authentic gratitude, acceptable service, and awe-inspired worship. And our worship cannot be restricted to prayer and praise in the congregational context. We have got to be praising God and faithful and obedient in all areas of our life. If somebody in authority over you asks you to do something, do it with joy and do it quickly. If you write me personally and you sign it, you must sign it or I don't read it. If you put your name on it 
and I don't reply to you fairly quickly, do you know what that means? I did not get it, period. Because every single person deserves to be heard. As long as you are bold enough to put a name on, you deserve an opportunity because I believe it's part of my calling to make sure our people are heard and loved and lifted up. But here's the deal. Don't forget, another reason to do this and do it well is because God is a consuming fire. This alludes to Deuteronomy 4.24 where the Israelites were indulged, were, were warned not to indulge in idolatry. Of course, they did anyway. They had to worship something made with hands like they did in Egypt. But I love what New Testament scholar David Peterson wrote. He said this, the certainty of God's grace must never blind us to the truth that a terrible judgment awaits the apostate. Powerful. Evangelical scholar F.F. Bruce said, reverence and awe before his holiness are not incompatible with grateful trust and love in response to his mercy. Now I'm far less eloquent than these great scholars. And so I said it this way, buckle up buttercup. And the reason I said that is you better have the gospel strapped around you like a belt of truth. You better be ready because it's going to get shaky sometimes. And if you hit the wall, you're going to go flying through the windshield and crack your skull without Jesus. Now, I know that's a little bit more of a visual way to say it, but the reality is this. God does love you. God is gracious. God is slow to anger, but God is also a consuming fire. You better be right. Turn or burn, kneel or peel, get sanctified or French fried, get right or get left. I'm I got a whole load of those, by the way. You need to be right with the God who made you. And the only way to be right is to trust Jesus who died in your place, who was buried in a borrowed tomb, who by the power of God was raised the third day, who then ascended to the right hand of the father. And he is soon coming to take his children out of this world. You better be right with him today. God is a consuming fire. And don't forget, yes, he's gracious. Yes, he's loving. Yes, he's all of those omnis and more. But he is also king of kings, Lord of lords, and judge of all. When our Lord speaks, we must listen and respond. That's obedience. When our Lord shakes things up, he's preparing us and purging this world for his kingdom. That should give confidence, not fear. If you don't know Jesus, you should be terrified. But with Jesus, you have confidence. Therefore, we should offer our Lord authentic gratitude, acceptable service, and awe-inspired worship. Friends, that's reverence. Now, I want to close with this short story about my buddy in Northwest North Carolina. You've heard me talk about Eddie before. Eddie's the guy that taught me how to turkey hunt. Um, spent a lot of time with Eddie over the years when we served in North Carolina. And Eddie's the care, caretaker for about 2,000 acres the biggest state. And it's one of the most beautiful places on planet earth. It's just phenomenal. Big 42 acre lake and mountains and trails. And we deer hunt there and we turkey hunt there and we fish there. It's just a paradise. Now it literally is a rich man's paradise. That's what it, what they do with it. But, um, Eddie called me one day years ago and said, Hey, we're going to do a controlled burn. You want to come check that out? I know you love everything outdoors. You just want to come hang with us for the better part of the day. So I took the day off, shifted my schedule and I went out there and it was the most amazing thing. There were fire trucks there and guy professionals, but Eddie had these fire cans. He let me do it a little bit too, where you literally just go along and you kind of drip fire. 
And I really didn't understand it. Those guys explained it to me along the way, but they were basically saying it's way better to do this now than it would be to have lightning come and have an uncontrollable wildfire. Because I mean, 2,000 acres ain't no joke. And actually it's 7,000 acres total when you factor in the other uh, quadrants of this. But I read an article, because I couldn't remember everything they had told me that day, but I went back to the National Geographic Society and I read this article and I could not help but see that day overplaying in my mind as I was coming to the conclusion of God as a consuming fire. And it says this, controlled burns are lit for a number of reasons. By ridding a forest of dead leaves, tree limbs, and other debris, a prescribed burn can help prevent destructive wildfire. Controlled burns can also reduce insect populations and destroy invasive plants. Now listen, this is incredible, this line. In addition, fire can be rejuvenating. Hmm. It returns nutrients to the soil in the ashes of vegetation and could otherwise, that would otherwise take years to decompose. And after a fire, the additional sunlight and open space in a forest can help young trees and other plants start to grow. Now that's from National Geographic, but here's what I can tell you. I saw it with my own eyes. It was amazing to see this raging inferno that somehow they kept from destroying all of the biggest of trees, but just swallowing up the forest. Where we were doing control burn that day was on the one side of the lake where we used to do a lot of hunting. And I thought, man, this is awful. This is gonna be terrible. But they really did control it and work it around and then it stopped at the appropriate places because these guys knew what they were doing. But then I got to thinking about something. Don't just focus on the fire. What happened the next spring when I went back to turkey hunt and the next fall to deer hunt? It was a transformed landscape. It was one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen in your life. There was still some evidence on the largest trees of where the fire had been, but it looked like a lush green carpet throughout those woods. It's the most amazing thing I think I've ever seen when it comes to things like that. It was so much better It was so much healthier. And I thought, Lord, could it be that there are things in our life and even, you know, the stuff that sometimes need to be shaken up and taken away, maybe even burned so that the real beautiful things can remain. And then I was reminded of an Old Testament verse that said, our God can bring beauty from ashes. He brings strength from tears. Some of you may feel like you're in the flame even now. And that's a really hard place to be. But I would remind you there were three Hebrew boys in a flame once. And because they trusted in the fourth man in the fire, because they cried out to their God and said, if he saves us, we praise him. But even if he doesn't, we trust him. If you can believe that, then you can come out on the other side. But there's got to be another man in the fire with you. He is the God man, Jesus Christ. God can and will consume everything that doesn't belong. And he will bring forth new life if we trust him. So I'm going to say, church, let us choose to walk by faith and not by sight. Church, walk with me together as we grow. Let us continue hearing from heaven. Stand with me this morning. As the band comes up to join me for the invitational song. I I need some folks that don't know Jesus just to come and get right. 
Why in the world would you walk out of this place if you're uncertain? Buckle up, let's go. Let's get serious about this thing with Christ and come and these pastors and counselors are trained to take you to the word and show you what God says and how you can be saved and know it today. Some of you absolutely are saved, but you're still in the furnace. You need to come and trust God with some things. Some of you are heading out next week. One week from today, you're heading out with us. We're going to Egypt. Would you please consider coming as some did in the first hour and pray for our safety, physically, spiritually? Pray that we'll be able to share truth with people on those airplanes and all along our journey. What a great opportunity to go around the world and go walk where some of our forefathers walked in the steps of Moses, but also to share Jesus along the journey. So you could come and you can pray. And others of you, maybe God's spoken to your heart today. Maybe there's something going on in your world today. Why don't you bring it before God? I, I know a lot of churches don't like to do this anymore. I hear, I keep my ear to the ground when it comes to church stuff. But you know what? To me, an invitation is not trendy. To me, an invitation is an opportunity for you to respond as God invites you to act on the truth of his word. First point was listen and respond. And if you think you can hear it and walk away and not do it, you're only deceiving yourself. So as I pray, the altar is open. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.